fake, fake, fakety fake. Hi, I'm Jody. I'm Caitlin. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News, and then talk about Nazis, again, with my friend Caitlin. Great. How are you, Caitlin? I'm exhausted. Like, so tired. Oh like, I need, to, I need to hibernate. <laughs> for the for the entirety of winter yeah i'm done yeah i'm done too i'm just love summer and then i love the beginning transitions of fall and then that's it i'm done it's kind of like after thanksgiving i don't like it anymore I can go back to the beginning of summer and we can redo the whole process over again <laughs> i see i like winter but uh i i hate fall fall is just it's been so gloomy and depressing on top of like everything else that's already been depressing. And then I have like allergies. So like all the leaves decaying on the ground, the leaves decaying has like caused my eyes to feel like burning constantly. Uh, but yeah, mm. other than that. <laughs> Fun time. Yeah. People might notice this episode was slightly delayed, but you know, I had a job interview. So that kind of took precedence, but uh, we are now going to be back on track. <laughs> As it does, you know, until until this podcast makes enough money that I can not work, I need to find actual uh, jobs, you know? Yeah, but like hopefully you get it because it's a pretty cool job. I think so. I think so. I'm not going to tell you people what it is. Secrets, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it, <laughs> it's just an element of mystery <laughs> to the yeah. show. Right? You'll, ne- you'll never know. You'll have to be a patron and <laughs> donate. <laughs> and then I reveal what I what I uh, applied for. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I'll mention it if I if I don't get it. Like I don't know what the the rules are. I guess like if I get it, and then I'll talk to them. And I don't know what. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I've never. I see. I've never had a job with the podcast, so I don't know what the the uh, vibe is going to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we'll find that out. We'll cross that bridge when it gets there. But for now, we'll just do our show, because it's the Imperial Roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. So this is what happened on the Rebel from October 19th to October 23rd. Ezra is accusing New York Governor Andrew Cuomo of anti-Semitism because he was complaining about Orthodox Jews in New York who were denying the severity of the virus even though their community was a source of the community spread. The Orthodox Jewish community took to the street to burn masks and defy other lockdown measures. Ezra is so anti-mask that even though he frequently downplays the severity of anti-Semitism generally, he plays up the anti-Semitism when health policy is applied equally to all members of society, including Jews. Even though it is sadly ironic, more Jewish people will die by ignoring these health measures. Ezra decides to take Alex Jones' FEMA camp conspiracy and apply it to Canada, suggesting that Trudeau is creating military camps to quarantine Canadians. There is absolutely nothing to debunk here. The extra facilities are in case the second wave requires more space to treat people suffering from the virus. But somehow Ezra takes this to mean that the Canadian government is going to create some sort of evil camp. To what? Prepare for like a Marxist takeover of Canada? I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Ezra blames Jugmeet Singh for not calling an election 
saying he's weak for not standing up to Trudeau by creating a committee to investigate the Wii scandal. Although I agree the Liberal government is obviously corrupt here, I'm not sure what Singh was supposed to do. Even Ezra admits that an election now would likely have led to a Liberal majority, and to be honest, that outcome is a lot worse. At least with Singh having the balance of power, people are still getting some sort of financial relief during COVID, and that's pretty good. Ezra plays clips from Trump's interview on 60 Minutes. Ezra's only feedback, the interview was mean, by asking questions to the president, and the interview interrupted him. Oh my. (laughs) The only substantive comment Ezra made was to say that the Michigan militia members arrested for plotting to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer were actually left-wing. This is absolutely nuts because there's zero evidence for this. But Ezra said it, so great. (laughs) Ezra's old magazine that was recently rejuvenated as a right-wing blog called The Western Standard is being sued by the CBC for improper use of its trademark logo, that like globe thing, you know, the CBC logo. I honestly don't care about this story. We are in the middle of a global pandemic, and Ezra is talking about whether or not some shitty online blog is allowed to advertise using some shitty logo, and I don't care. Ezra interviews Obamagate director uh, Fleem McAllier again. (laughs) (laughs) I purposely gave this one for you so you can butcher his name again. (laughs) What is his name? It's a Flem. It's like the sound. No, it's not Flem. It's like (laughs) It's a film. It's Irish. Like, <laughs> it's Philum. <laughs> it's Philum. It's not Flem. You know, tomato, tomato. Philum. <laughs> so Ezra interviews Obamagate director Phelan Mickelier again because the movie is now out. Sort of. It actually is a stage play that was then filmed in front of a live audience and then posted to YouTube starring Dean Cain. The movie, or staged performance, is simply the reading of tweets and other legal documents that are supposed to uncover how the deep state spied on the Trump campaign. This movie, play thing, has been technically read in Congress and is already in the public record. But now with Dean Cain reading it, oh boy, watch out. So far, 300,000 people have watched it. And at this rate, one week before the election, with millions of people who've already voted, Joe Biden doesn't stand a chance. Historians will write about Dean Cain's performance as the performance that re-elected a president. (laughs) And that's the week. (laughs) Ezra wants to talk about censorship. But I instead, Caitlin, want to play a game. Ah. Ezra talks about a man named Arthur Topham, or Topham, I think it's Topham, who was charged and convicted by a jury for spreading hatred towards the Jews. And then their probation required that they're not allowed to write about the Jews online anymore. And Ezra complains about that specifically as being a front to Topham's uh, free speech. But we will ignore that for now, and instead I want to read to you how Ezra describes the content of what Topham said. Uh, Like, so what he said to receive the charge, and then subsequently what he did that violated his parole. So Ezra sort of describes that both those things. And then I want you to first tell me, in vague terms, 
what you expect the content would be if, for example, you've never heard of Ezra's show before, you don't know who Ezra is. And then tell me what you expect knowing who Ezra is and being the co-host of the show. <laughs> so does okay, that make okay. sense? So here it goes. So Ezra says this. I have actually seen some of the things he wrote on his website, and they're pretty garden variety anti-Jewish conspiracy theories. Um, nothing you wouldn't find on any university campus, subsidized by student fees. So now, you've never listened to Ezra before. Somebody tells you that somebody wrote something that was pretty garden variety anti-Jewish conspiracy theory. Nothing you wouldn't find on a university campus subsidized by student fees. What do you think the guy said if you've never heard of Ezra before? Nothing you wouldn't find on a university campus? <laughs> yeah. I thought it was going to be like Holocaust denial or something like that, but now it's not. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. you've never heard of him before. So you're like, so you're saying it, it's, it's not Holocaust denial? No, we wouldn't find that on a university campus. So then what do you, if... Oh, wait, you would you, yeah, you wouldn't find that. But he's saying that you could find this on a university campus. Yeah. So that's why I'm thinking, so you're saying you're ruling out Holocaust denial is something that this guy said. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard, like, I have some guesses, but the problem is it would probably be accurate to what, what the guy said. Because <laughs> I know Ezra. That's no, I mean, but that's the thing. See, like, we know Ezra, which means that when he says something like this, you clearly know that it's going to be something else. But if you didn't know who Ezra was, like, your initial sort of thoughts there was where I'm thinking, where you go, well, it can't be Holocaust now. Like, to me, I would say that going into this, I would think, like, maybe it's just, like, this idea of, like, Jews control the media. No. But then that's something else that you wouldn't, like you would not find that being taught on a university campus, you know? I think or it's discussed. either two things. Yeah, I think it's either two things. It has something to do with criticizing the state of Israel or it's some like crazy Marxist nonsense. So in reality, what Topham said initially that got him charged for spreading hatred against Jewish people, and again, this is convicted by a jury, so it's not like it was... Uh, a human rights trial, or all the other things that Ezra constantly complains about. This guy was convicted and charged in a court of law and was uh, found guilty by a jury. And what he okay. said, what he said, I, now I'm going to sum it up because, you know, I'm not going to quote a, a, an anti-Semite on our show, but basically uh, called for the forced sterilization of Jewish people. Oh, my gosh. But and, wait, I'm confused, because why would you see that on a university campus? So we'll get to it in a second. I'll tell you why Ezra <laughs> thinks that. But like, let's, let's start with the first thing that Ezra says. Is calling for the forced sterilization of Jewish people garden variety anti-Jewish conspiracy theory? Or is that like a step beyond just garden variety? Yeah. So furthermore, he, he the reason why he's in the news right now is this Arthur Topham guy broke his parole. So he was convicted back in, I think it was two, 2017, something around there. And now he's uh, found to have violated his parole. And what he did to violate his parole, he was told that he's not allowed to post anything about Jews online anymore. So what he decided to do was to post 
that basically Jews are evil. And then he posted a picture of a goblin looking creature with a hat with the Star of David on it, sitting at a computer screen. And so because of that, he like violated his parole. I'm just so confused by this because why would this be found on a university campus? <laughs> That's where I'm like, did this guy say something about Israel? Did this guy like say something that related to like something that Ezra hates and thinks that undergrads so and professors talk about, which I just went to Marxism because that's what makes sense. What Ezra's doing here, and like I can go into it now, is he's he's saying that the reason why uh, you could find this on a university ca- campus is because BDS movements or pro-Palestine student groups, he's arguing that what Arthur Topham said is the kind of stuff that you would hear in these groups. And as someone who's been involved in these groups, I've never seen anyone say or do the kinds of fucked up shit that this Arthur Topham person had said. But notice also like the double standard here because he frames it as garden variety anti-Jewish stuff. So like there's a sense in which Ezra himself is downplaying the extent to which Arthur Topham is a fucking crazy anti-Semite. And yet... Then is saying that BDS movement and Palestinian activists on campus are equivalent to Arthur Topham. It's so angering and depressing all at the same time that it kind of leaves me speechless. But uh, yeah, it's just like weird statement to say. Now, I'm going to tell you why we're talking about Arthur Topham. <laughs> and the funny thing is, it really doesn't. It, it didn't even need to get brought up. So Ezra starts this episode by talking about his own human rights commission uh, incident when he tried to post the, uh, uh, he tried to share the drawings of the Prophet Muhammad and he was brought to the human rights tribunal back in around 2008. We still have an ongoing series where I was looking at his book Shakedown, which sort of like goes through all of this. And it's also worth noting that in that book Shakedown, there's a whole chapter that we've already covered. You can go back into the the previous episodes to find it, where he spends the whole time covering for for Nazis in the same way that he covers for Arthur Topham in this episode by saying like, ah, they're just some people saying some bad things and now the evil government is coming in to censor their free speech. And meanwhile, when you look into them, they're like rabid anti-Semites that are calling for the death of Jews. Which is amazing because Ezra is himself Jewish. Like, why would he play defense for these people? So he starts by talking about his Human Rights Commission complaint. And then from that, he moves to Arthur Topham. And I'm like, why? Like, it seems like the theme is censorship, and it is, but then he goes on. So the main reason he covered his Human Rights Tribunal uh, incident, Arthur Topham, is he then wants to talk about the New York Post being censored for not posting or not being allowed to post online on social media sites, the Hunter Biden scoop. Okay. And part of me is like, why do you need to talk about any, like, you could have just talked about the Hunter Biden story. (laughs) Why are we talking about Nazis? Why are we covering for anti-Semites? None of this makes any sense. And I, I have some idea about why he wants to talk about this. And we'll get into that in just a quick second. But I just want to say the Hunter Biden thing. Have you followed any of this? Not really. 
he's mad because Twitter uh, and Facebook would not let you share the New York Post story. But the thing is, people who worked for the New York Post refused to put their name to the byline. So none of the journalists wanted to take credit for this story because none of them believed that it was factually accurate. And the story was basically pushed to them or sold to them through Rudy Giuliani, you know, the guy who uh, was recently caught uh, fiddling with himself in the new Borat film. Yeah, and in front of a 15-year-old, just want to add that. <laughs> well, or she was 24, yeah, yeah. The supposed 15-year-old, right? And the other person is a person who's currently being charged for fraud, Steve Bannon. <laughs> for uh supporting that uh, wall fundraiser that isn't like turned out to be uh bought a bunch of people yachts instead of building a wall so this is the hunter biden scoop and ezra is super mad at it and the whole reason he wants to talk about the hunter biden thing is he thinks that this kind of censorship is actually the reason that trump is going to lose the election so it's already seems like Ezra's pretty set on uh, Trump losing the election, and he wants to create a narrative of why Trump's going to lose. Because, of course, Trump can't lose because he's a shitty human being whose failed and inept policies have led to the death of over 200,000 people to a virus that he could have done something to mitigate. It has nothing to do with that. It obviously has to do with the fact that Facebook and Twitter will not allow us to share this New York Post article. <laughs> now i have some thoughts on why i think that ezra is constantly talking about nazis recently and i think it's because he's angry at a lot of groups <laughs> in particular a group called the canadians for justice and peace and recently they won a settlement with ezra so they came to some sort of agreement because ezra called them Nazis, and they sued him for defamation. And it's clear that Ezra was going to lose that case and therefore settled with uh, Canadians for Justice and Peace. And the reason why I think they have something to do with each other is because he... It's like one of these things where he's so mad at this community of, like, anti-Israel people, like the BDS movement, the... Uh, pro-Palestinian groups. He's so mad at them and wants to call them like Holocaust deniers and Nazis and all this. And he's angry that this one group has succeeded in fighting back against that. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's that's part of the motivation that has been happening because, because he doesn't always talk about this stuff, but it just has seemed like it's been prevalent on his show for the past couple of weeks. And I guess it's it's related in some way. I can't prove that. I just have a feeling that they're related in some way. <laughs> we don't know what this settlement was for and all that because it's all secret, right? All we know is that uh, they ended up settling. Yeah. <laughs> this also means that Ezra has one less lawsuit, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> this is somewhat related, but also unrelated. It is worth noting that we had the passage of Bill 168. Now, it's not clear to me that the bill itself passed like i'm i'm still sort of looking into this and i find it kind of confusing because it wasn't voted on on the floor of queen's park it instead was like passed through committee or something like this but i don't know if you you know more about that or not i just know that it didn't go to a third reading and like that's bullshit yeah 
And for those who don't know, so Bill 168 was put forward by the provincial conservative government in Ontario, the progressive conservatives, whose leader is Doug Ford. And it basically stipulates that anti-Semitism in our sort of... uh, Well, no, it it amends our laws. So it's just an amendment. It's not a new bill. So it's an amendment to... um, just uh, a bill on like discrimination and harassment. Right. And then for one of the categories on anti-Semitism, it's updating the definition of what it means to be an anti-Semite right. or yeah. to, or to practice anti-Semitism. And so uh, what he, what the conservative government decided to do was adopt already existing definition from an organization called like international holocaust remembrance alliance i think and they yeah it's the (laughs) ihra yeah yeah um and they had a meeting like a a plenary on may 26 in 2016 and came up with a definition of anti-semitism and i think it's like 11 base it's like gives you a broad, more abstract uh, definition of what anti-Semitism is. But then it goes into 11 specific examples. And about seven of the 11 examples are about anything to criticize Israel. Yeah, there's two specifically that really bother me. I was going to say what, that you can't say that Israel's Israel's policies or practices are racist. That's one of them. Like just flat out like that. So it says denying the Jewish people their right to self-determination by claiming that the existence of a state of Israel is a racist endeavor. Yeah. Which is frustrating to me. For one, like I find this like idea of self-determination itself is problematic. I don't know what it means for people to have like for a nation or or like a group of people such that all Jewish people have the right to self-determine some kind of state? Like, do we give that right to everyone? Like, what would it mean to say that, like, white people or Christians have the right to self-determination to create a Christian state? And then to say, if they're colonizing another country, to say that it would be wrong to call call that state racist because they have the right to self-determination. It's just bizarre to me. And then the other one was drawing comparisons of contemporary Israeli policy to that of the Nazis is another one that I find just bizarre. Because it is, there's nothing, there's nothing inherent to the state of Israel that makes it immune to fascism generally. In fact, I would argue that Netanyahu has done a lot of policies that are fascist. Now, whether or not you want to say they're they're related to nazis or whether like saying making that comparison is a stretch too far seems kind of weird to me because it's like the nazis were fascist yeah and i don't know have i broken the law now by making that comparison (laughs) (laughs) it's just you know and it's like come at me bro like this this whole thing is just kind of Ridiculous. In fact, like I don't even believe that the IHRA wanted this to be like adopted. In uh, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Uh, and so like the whole thing is just really ridiculous. And what it comes down to is, this is the government 
trying to stop groups like BDS and pro-Palestinian activists on university campuses from being able to actively uh, engage in activism against Israel. Yeah, especially when it's like they're coming, like you have the Israeli government coming on or army coming on to campuses trying to recruit people. Like you have an army that's, you know, you're, you're from another country trying to recruit people. That's ridiculous. We had Mo on our show, who was one of the activists at York University, when they had an IDF soldier coming onto campus yeah. to to preach this stuff, and they protested. And the i the uh, the people who brought the IDF soldier to the campus started fighting the pro Palestinian activists on the campus. Like these people are violent, <laughs> you know. Which is like, those are the types of things that fascists do, which is why it's like when you're trying to tell us that we can't call them what they are, that's, that is so authoritarian. Well, another thing too, is like, why can't I criticize a country that I don't even live in? Why do, why do I, why can't I comment on another country's politics? Right. I don't understand that. I live in Canada and can I go to Quebec now and criticize them? Right. Can I just drive drive to Quebec and then be like, oh, now I can finally let out the fact that I think, you know, this Israeli policy is extremely racist. But to me, like, I think that this definition of anti-Semitism is itself anti-Semitic because what it's doing is it's saying that to be Jewish and to be Israeli are one in the same. Like that somehow these two things are inherently connected and they're not. Many Jews are against Israel. So what is it if a Jewish person wants to make the comparison of Israel policy to that of the Nazis? Are they then anti-Semitic, even though like they are Jewish they ju- and they love and respect their culture? They just don't like the state of Israel? It's, it's mind-boggling that anyone can be okay that this happened. Yeah. Well, someone was telling me today that it wouldn't like hold up in a charter challenge. I would like to say that that's the case, but I have no faith in the legal system sometimes. <laughs> you could you could really play on the concept of the fact that you're telling Canadians that they can't criticize another country. And if you're going to have some sort of bill or amendment to a bill that's like that, you better be doing it for all fucking religious groups or all countries as well. Like, I shouldn't be able, like, if you have that in, I, I shouldn't be able to criticize any other country. Yeah. Like, that makes no sense. And like you're saying, you're saying that, like, basically, I don't know, like, with Israel and stuff, like, you're, it's just like you're saying that this this is a a country that's immune to criticism, which is ridiculous. Meanwhile, like, what do we do to other countries that are predominantly, like, Muslim? Yeah. We rip them apart on TV. We criticize them. We call them terrorists. We promote carpet bombing them. Exactly. And I was like, and you, you, now I can't criticize another thing when we do that, like, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. We support selling weapons to other countries so they can have massacres and genocides towards certain groups of people. And now I can't criticize a country that is, you know, committing genocide, creating apartheid. That's insane. And like, this is, I guess, the time for self-criticism, because I'm, uh, you know, I'm very disappointed with the NDP on this. In particular, again, this doesn't mean that I'm I like leave the NDP or whatever. Like you got to deal with all these situations as they come. But when we, I I 
went to a provincial council and tried to fight uh, internally to get the party to condemn this motion as it was coming to the, the floor. This was like maybe a month before the pandemic set in. And there was resistance to having it come to floor. Now, like it was close. A lot of the people there, when they voted, uh, I think the undecideds could have swayed the motion. Uh, if if all the undecideds ended up voting for our motion, it would have passed, but it didn't. And like, that sucks. But at the same time, it annoys me that it, that there's anyone in the NDP who thinks that it's it's against their political interest to fight this bill. Mm-hmm. Because they're they're seemingly afraid that somehow you're going to upset these imaginary people that will think like it seems like this bill only only appeals to extreme right wing Israeli pro Israeli people. Yeah. So it's like, why not take the opportunity to point out that maybe the criticism of another state is not itself uh an attack against a specific religion. Yeah. How, how hard is it to advocate for that? And yet our own left-wing party seems to find this, uh, and I say left-wing in the broadest sense. So nobody, <laughs> I know the NDP, they're like on the spectrum of left, they're closer to the center, all that fun stuff. But like, it's what we got. And if you got that party and they can't even like take one moralistic stand here, it's just really, really fucking frustrating. Yeah. That being said, there are a ton of people who are in that room with me that supported calling out this motion. And that tells me that there's many people within the party that do stand against this. And I hope eventually they wake up and do something about it. But it's frustrating. So uh, stay safe out there. <laughs> and say maybe we should come up with a new name from them. Uh, Bizreal. Bizreal? You know, that Bizreal. They're they're just like them Nazis. <laughs> oh, just circumnavigate the law. <laughs> it's just crazy that we have a party that's so big on free speech and wants to like hype up free speech as something that's needed on university campuses and literally create and impose a free speech policy onto university campuses and then creates or amends a uh, a bill. To, to prevent you from criticizing a country. Yeah. It's literally what free speech is. That's what the crazy part is. Like, like they t- interpreted free speech as like, if someone's like being racist or you don't like their ideas because they're conservative, you have to listen to them out. That's not actually what free speech is. Free speech is the ability to criticize governments, people in power. And now uh, you can't criticize a state of a country. Yeah. That's literally restricting free speech. That's why I think it needs a uh, charter challenge. Well, we, well, you know, it might, but I like I don't know who gets to bring it or whatnot. Uh, I don't see the challenge coming from the NDP themselves, sadly. But. So I don't know. I don't know how. I'm not a lawyer. What do we need? Do we need someone to break the law and then need to find the the lawyers pro bono to like take it? I don't know. I think you can get like. I don't think you need a specific political group to challenge it. I don't know. Someone who knows more than me. Figure it out. (laughs) Let's go. Let's fight this. I'm down. Before we move to the proactive segment, I was going to say, 
since this might be, I don't know if we'll see if we're lucky and we record on time again, because again, Caitlin's in bargaining. So things could get delayed on that front as well. This, this may be the last episode before the election. And I just wanted to record your brief thoughts on that. What do you think is going to happen? It's less than a week away. That's scary. Yeah. (laughs) What do you hope happens? I guess like if you could like imagine it to yourself, what is your, your dream outcome come next Tuesday? My dream outcome? Well, I mean, dream given oh. the circumstances. Because, you know, like, Bernie's not going to come in there with a ripped shirt and, like, beat the shit out of both of them and then, like, take the phone. Yeah, I was literally <laughs> thinking about something along those lines. So I was like, you said dream, so. Ah. I mean, what is it, like, pragmatic idealism? <laughs> <laughs> what is what, your dreams that are constrained by reality? Thanks. My dream, um, hmm. I guess just before the vote, Joe Biden has like, I don't know, like a stroke or something and he's unable to like continue. I don't, he doesn't need to die or anything. He's just like unable to continue. And then the DNC has to like reelect a person. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so nothing that's going to really happen. You have no dreams. You're just all nihilism. <laughs> nihilism, that's a pretty big dream. Yeah. It's not maybe the most plausible dream out there. Yeah. So but, but wait, 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 wait. I'm not done. Either that or, I don't know, like a country just like is, I don't know, like another country just is like, fuck you, America. Like, just maybe fuck you, fuck your elections, and they go to war or something like that, and then blows everything up, and then the world just blows up because they get a new war. war. This is is not nihilistic. (laughs) (laughs) This is where I'm at. And we end up in a Mad Max hellscape. (laughs) (laughs) And then... I could be a little bit more hopeful. <laughs> and <laughs> then okay, we rebuild yes. the earth into the Marxist utopia that I oh, want. Okay. So it's a long dream. <laughs> it's a very long dream. Yeah. And no, it's just more so it's like, what are you really getting with even Joe Biden? Like not a good health care plan, not free education, nothing okay. that's gonna like getting the opportunity to live another day and to build that Marxist utopian ideal for the future where I don't think you're going to get that if you have a complete collapse in civil war. I don't know. I think you got to push people to the edge sometime. Yeah. I just don't think this is the appropriate edge. I think you need to have a movement in place first and I don't think it's there. And so my hope is that we just get an overwhelming Biden victory and the fewest amount of people die in any kind of election shenanigans. That's my hope. And then and then you can seriously start taking to the streets and building your goddamn movement, you socialists. Get out there. Get out there. <laughs> it's a, this is an order. <laughs> So if you're American, vote. 
I guess that's the first thing we should say for a proactive segment. Uh, I just had a long list of like, so much shit has happened the past like, week and a bit. So America, vote. If you're in Alberta, get out there and support those striking healthcare workers. If you're anywhere at all, please donate and support the uh, Haudenosaunee people. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. From Ontario, from Six Nations outside of Caledonia who are fighting a bunch of racist assholes in our government and in the town next to them. And also the Mi'kmaq people of Nova Scotia or who are in Nova Scotia uh, from being attacked by other white racists who don't like the fact that they get to hunt for lobsters on their territory. Uh, and then also solidarity with Black Lives Matter. There was recently a shooting in Philadelphia and we have more fighting the police. And I'm glad that people are still coming out to the streets for this. I am not glad that the police are still wantonly killing black people. And so uh, solidarity. So support all those things. I don't know if you have anything to add. So I, <laughs> so much is happening. Yeah, it's a busy week. Yeah. So That's um, what I said. Country just blow everything up. Nuclear <laughs> war. Start from scratch again. Oh, I want you to like run on that uh, campaign platform. It's like, fuck <laughs> Caitlin, blow everything up. <laughs> Let's just, like, all I want to blow up is white supremacy and colonialism. So uh, blow everything up yeah. and <laughs> start from scratch. <laughs> all right. Good luck, world. Good luck solidarity and if you enjoy what you heard so far <laughs> please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news if you want to stay informed about what we are doing you can also find us on twitter at imperial news with a z we have a private facebook group called imperial news we also have a discord set up and we will be doing twitch streams every friday at 8 p.m you can find all the links to our social media stuff in the show notes. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. I also want to say, I am strongly considering streaming the night of the election. Maybe we'll play games with friends. Anyone can join the chat if you want to hop on our Discord. Uh, I think that's definitely going to happen because what the hell else am I going to do on that night? I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be streaming. Who is anyone? But uh, if any of you like us more, please come hang out. Also, special thanks to my friend, Mason Tickle, for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatum.bandcamp.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, I don't want to talk about Nazis. Ezra always wants to talk about Nazis, so blame him. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields?